Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Highland Park Baptist Church. The preaching and teaching ministry of Highland Park is led by our pastor, Dr. Jeremy Wallace. Our desire is to help you grow in your faith so that you can better glorify God, make disciples, and love others. To learn more, visit us at hpbc.church. Now, here's this week's message. If you'll get your Bibles out, we're going to be in uh, Romans chapter 8. Uh, we're going to be looking uh, at verses 12 through 17 this morning. But before we jump into our text this morning, uh, hope, hopefully you had a great Christmas. I know we're coming out of a, a really busy season of a lot of traveling, and um, there's probably many of our, our, our members still on the road traveling. Uh, but I, I, I just wanted to share this, that um, our Christmas went well. But didn't go as expected. Uh, many of you may have had a similar experience that uh, you had it all planned out. And you planned out, or like for us, we go to Marion and visit our family, visit some friends, uh, some people that we haven't seen in a long time. And so we had it all planned out. This day we're going to do this and this and this. And we had it all planned out. But uh, the Lord had different plans for us. Uh, Rebecca ended up uh, with the flu. And uh, so we ended up quarantining our family. So we didn't spread that. Uh, but it ended up being an amazing time where uh, Christmas Eve, uh, we were planning on going to the church that we grew up in and uh, worshiping with that church family. Uh, but it didn't work out that way. But instead, we got to stay home and worship with our family. Uh, it, was, it was a sweet time. So uh, sometimes things don't work out as we plan. Um, but go, coming off of the Christmas season, uh, normally when, when we have the sermon right before New Year's or around New Year's, uh, we always talk about resolutions. We talk about, all right, what does the new year hold? Looking forward to the future. I don't want to necessarily go there yet. I don't want to leave Christmas yet because there's a lot that we, we, we still have to talk about with that. Uh, so Christmas is going to be connected with our, our, our sermon this morning. And you'll see the title for this morning is Adoption. And you may be wondering, how does Christmas come along with adoption? Um, how, does, how do the two uh, fit together? And there's many different ways, but we're going to talk about it from a, a, a different way. But before we jump into uh, the passage chapter or uh, Romans 8, 12, we need to look back a little bit. We need to you know, step back a little bit in the passage there because uh, when we look at Romans chapter 12, it says, so then or therefore. Uh, some uh, translations put that therefore or uh, uh, the Holman puts so then. And so we need to look, if it says so then or therefore, it's referencing back to something. So we, there's something that we need to look back to to understand what is about to follow. And so here we're going to look back at uh, uh, just one, one verse. Uh, get, just kind of give a little glimpse of what we're looking back on. It says in verse 11, and, uh, excuse me, it says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit who lives in you. And so this is a theological statement that Paul is making. He's making this theological claim, and all before this too, he, there, there are theological claims that he's making. And so he's speaking to how do we, what do we believe? But see, that's where many people will think, well, that's just theology. That's just doctrine. We don't need to worry about that. I just need to know how do I live. But without our theology, without our doctrine, we, we won't live properly. If we don't have proper doctrine and theology, we won't have proper life. 
We won't have proper lifestyle, proper beliefs. And so that's where we have to live back, look back. And so we, uh, as believers, have the Spirit of Christ. We have the Spirit in us, the, uh, the Holy Spirit inside of us. And, and what that does is that means that God makes a claim on our life. That you and I belong. We look back a few other, uh, a few other passages and says, in verse 9, the Spirit of God lives in you. Uh, then it goes on and it says, um, but he, meaning uh, the Spirit, uh, um, so, but if, in verse 9, it continues on, but the uh, Spirit of God lives in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, he does not belong to him. And so when we receive the Holy Spirit, when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit and we are his belonging. That we are not, no longer I, our, our own. Uh, Paul also says this in 1 Corinthians 6.20, we were bought at a price. That you and I were bought at a price. And so looking forward, what does this mean? What, is this, what does it mean for the Spirit to be living in you? How do we live this out? So we have this theological concept that the Spirit lives in us. So what? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? How do we live in light of that theological truth? And here is where we will begin to uh, go into this idea of spirit uh, or the, the idea of being adopted into the family. That, that Jesus himself knew what it meant to be adopted. That we, if we are believers, that we are adopted. And there are things that come along with that. There are great truths that it will dramatically change our life. And so I do want us to look forward. I do want us to think about this coming year. If you are a believer, if you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit, then you've been bought at a price. So what difference is that made looking back? What difference will that make looking forward? Will there be changes in your life? Or do you feel like, no, I got it. I'm good to go. I, I look back at this year and I've been a pretty good boy. I've been a pretty good girl. I, I'm good to go. We can't rest there. We cannot rest there. So moving into our passage this morning, uh, looking at 12 and 13, it says, so then, in light of what you have just read, in light of this theological truth, so then, brothers, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We will live. So number one, we no longer live according to the flesh. When we are adopted into the family of Christ, we no longer live according uh, to the flesh. That we are freed from that. See, as believers, many times we like to make excuses. Or as people in general, we like to excuse our mistakes away. Well, I didn't know that or didn't mean to do that. Or, you know, we excuse, make excuses for ourselves that I, my, my former life, I grew up in a, a bad home or I've experienced this trouble or it was her fault. I know in, in marriage, uh, come on, man, you got to be honest. We, we need to be honest here. Uh, a lot of times we'll say, well, I did this because she did that. I got mad at my wife because she pushed my buttons. 
right? You know, we make excuses for ourselves. And I, I, a lot of times, especially when I'm preaching, I, I like to use myself and my marriage for example because it has taught me so many things that I can't use anyone, including my wife who knows me the best and has seen the worst of me, as an excuse. Why? Because I've been adopted. Because I no longer live according to the flesh, how I used to be. That I have a new nature. And so I cannot make any excuses. That we don't have excuses. The Spirit helps us put to death the sinful nature. This is an ongoing process. When I'm studying this, a lot of the commentators are talking about this is, this is a process that is not just when we accept Christ, we put the, the fleshly desires to death, and now we're, we're in perfection, right? That we no longer sin. Once we become a Christian, we no longer sin anymore. No, this putting to death is an ongoing process that we are continually putting to death our sinful nature, that its ugly head will rise up, and that we have to be obedient. See, how do, we, how, do we, how do we live, how do we put to death the flesh? I want to I I draw your attention back to the, the passage in verse 13. As for if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death, he didn't say you need to do these things to put the, spirit, the, the flesh to death. You need to follow these outlines, these lists of do's and don'ts. Many times in, in the Christian life, we will think, well, I need to go to church, I need to read my Bible, I need to be good to people, I need to do this, I need to do that. And if I mark all these boxes, then I'll be, I'll be a good person. Or, but we can try really hard. Uh, studying for this, thinking back along my life, I, I can think of times where I've tried really, really hard to do the right thing. I've tried hard, I put my best effort forward, and then I failed. I mean, think about this is the time of year that this happens almost to everyone where we make these New Year's resolutions there. And there's some of us, like myself included, that we just stopped. We just gave up. We just don't even make New Year's resolutions anymore. Anybody in that boat that you just don't do it anymore? Yeah, many of us are in that boat where we just don't even do it anymore because we know ourselves. We know we make this resolution or I'm going to eat right, I'm going to run, this is mine. I'm going to eat right, I'm going to run, I'm going to do these healthy options, I'm going to drink water, I'm going to drink a lot of water, I'm going to be really healthy. And then we go out to eat and, can I have a Diet Coke? Uh, you know, give me the donut, please. You know, it, it doesn't last because we, we try hard, we try really hard. But I love how Paul points us. It's not a try-hard religion. Christianity is not about doing good and trying harder. That's not how we become closer to Christ. That's not how we put to death the sinful nature. The sinful nature is not put to death by you and your power. The sinful nature is put to death by who? Look what it says. It says, but by the Spirit you put to death. By the Spirit you put it to death. So what it means for you and I, practically, is that we walk in obedience. That one step at a time, we look for opportunities to obey the Spirit. When we have been given the Holy Spirit, so we walk by the Spirit. It's not about trying harder. It's about following and obeying the prompting of the Spirit. Obedience is where it lies. Obedience to the Spirit is where the power lies between you and I. It's not about trying harder. It's not about... Well, I can muster up enough, enough self-control. I can muster up enough to be able to, to be the good person that I desire. No, it's about, well, I'm just going to today, I'm going to obey the Spirit. 
tomorrow, I'm going to obey the Spirit. God, you want me to do this? God, you want me to, to be in communion with you? How can I do that? I, I need to read my Bible. I want to obey you. So I want to I read your word so that I can commune with you. I want to pray and talk to you. And so I want to be close to you. Again, I go back to my marriage that I don't have to try harder to spend time with my wife. I enjoy her. She enjoys me. We enjoy time together. And so we make time to be together. That our relationship with God is like that. It's not to, we got to try hard to love God. We got to try hard to be with him. We got to try hard to connect with him. He's not that kind of God. He's not this distant God. He wants to draw near to us. Again, looking back at Christmas, it is God with us. It is the Emmanuel that came to be with us. He wanted that deep, intimate, personal relationship. And we'll see that a little bit more further on. And so, and, and um, and so we no longer live according to the flesh, and then we move on, and we see that in verse, uh, starting in verse 14, this is all those led by God's Spirit, led by God's Spirit. And if you, if you underline, if you mark in your Bible, that's one of the things that I would mark, is led by God's Spirit. All those led by God's Spirit are God's Son, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. We'll read the rest of that verse in a minute. But number two, we are led by the Spirit for a purpose. That we are led by the Spirit for a purpose. That you have been given the Holy Spirit not to just sit, not to be inactive, not just for your own edification, your own glorification. It's the exact opposite. We've been given the Spirit to, to bless others. Israel was not just for themselves. They were supposed to shine the light to the nations, and they, they failed on their job. We have been given the Spirit so we can shine light to the nations, so we can show others what we've been blessed with, that you've been given the Spirit for a purpose. See, all those led by the Spirit, God's Spirit, this imagery here of being led is kind of goes back to this idea of shepherd and sheep. That the shepherd guides the sheep. The shepherd protects the sheep. And when I was studying through this and thinking, man, do, do I trust the shepherd? Because think about, I've, I've often thought about this idea that God would call us sheep. Why wouldn't he give us a more ferocious animal like, like a wolf or a, a, a tiger or a bear, something that has some like defensive capabilities? But he calls us sheep that have, I've heard other preachers that I've often heard that are not very intelligent animals, that when you look at a sheep, they're not frightening. When you look at a, a sheep, they, uh, they need protection. And I always go back to, because that's us. We need to be guided. We need to be protected. And it's when we think we have the power to do it ourselves that we fall into our fleshly desires. Let us be obedient to the Spirit. Let us be led by God's Spirit. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery. That we've been set free. That we've been set free from bondage. That our former life we were called enemies of God. Like how great is this that we were once enemies and now we are friends we were once enemies and now we've been set free we were once enslaved to our sins and now we've been set free not free for our own purpose but free to do what the bidding of the shepherd is 
The shepherd loves the sheep. The shepherd cares for his sheep. And the shepherd will guide and lead the sheep and protect the sheep. Do you obey the shepherd? Think about in your life. If Jesus is the good shepherd, as Scripture calls him, are we willing to follow his lead? Or do we think we have a better plan than the good shepherd? Do we think we know better than what the shepherd has called us to? Do we think, oh, no, the grass will be greener over here? No, I can protect myself. I don't need the shepherd. I am independent. I'm American. I don't need anyone to protect me. I will protect myself. I don't need anybody else. I don't need anything else. I can be self-sufficient. But here, Scripture is calling us to be led by the Spirit, that He will protect our hearts and minds, that He will lead and guide us. But then it goes back to that, that awful word, that terrible word of obedience, that we have to walk in obedience, that there is action, there is a call to us as well, which leads into our next point. Number three is we are adopted into the family of God. We are adopted into the family of God. Uh, 15, reading the whole verse, says, you, are not re- you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption that you and I are now called sons and daughters of God, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This is, this is totally different than any other religion. This is totally different where we now have this intimate connection with God that this is where it jumps back to Christmas, back to this birth of Christ, that now who, who, God who was, who was unapproachable, who, one who was, who was great and mighty and unapproachable, that one who, had, when, Moses, when Moses wanted to see God, God told him that he couldn't look on him or he would die. That when he was in the presence of God, he came down and he was shining so bright. That there are many instances we see in the Old Testament where there, there had to be covering, there had to be, there had to be a veil. I mean, we look at the temple and how the temple was built. There was an inner, inner, inner sanctuary where there, the, the priest had to go only once a year, only certain priests. You know, there was, there was a veil between God and us. That he loved his people greatly, but his holiness had to be separated because we are so unholy. And here we see that now we get to call him Abba, Abba Father. And this, this word Abba is an Aramaic word. And it, it's interesting that, so Paul is writing to the Romans. He's writing to these Greek-speaking people, but he uses an Aramaic word. And because he wants to portray this idea, this concept, he wants to get this idea of uh, cross where that you now get to call God the Father, the one who was so unapproachable, one who was uh, not with us, the one who was not Jesus at the time, one who was not seen as Jesus and now is able to be seen as the one who is approachable, the one who is seen as Christ, come, God who has come with, the Emmanuel, God with us. And that this, this Abba Father is Daddy. I think about my own children in this. When they, they call me, when they talk to me, it's, it's Daddy. It, it's not, oh dear Father. It's not this, this separation of your, your Father I'm child, and I'm over here. No, there's deep, intimate connection here. 
That's the relationship God desires with you. Again, this goes back to, it's not about a trying harder. That this, this coming year, I do not desire, I hope that you don't just try harder, but that you're willing to submit to the Father, the one who loves you, the great shepherd, the good shepherd, who one who wants to lead and guide you. That you walk one day at a time in obedience because it is a daily putting to death our, our selfish desires, our sinful nature. That is not over yet. So we are adopted. This idea of adoption, uh, when I looked it up, I've always just assumed that it was a Jewish concept, that it was you know, Old Testament, uh, Paul brought it into the New Testament. But when I, when I researched and reading on this, that adoption is a legal transaction, it's a legal term, and it was used in the Greco-Roman world. And that the Jews really didn't even use this idea of adoption. They had ways to deal with uh, widows and orphans. Uh, but they, they didn't have this idea of adoption. But So Paul is using this idea of an adoption. And, and let me read you this quote. It says, all previous relationships, referring to adoption, all previous relationships are severed. This is amazing that when we are called into adoption, when we are adopted by God, that we sever the old nature, that we sever those former relationships we had with our sinful nature, that all relationships were severed. The new father exercises authority over the new son. That the new father has the authority over the new son. And the new son enters into the privileges and responsibilities of the natural son. So the son and daughter, one who is adopted, has the responsibilities and privileges of a natural son, just as if they were born in that family. And that's you and I, that we now are in the family of God. If you are a believer in Christ, you are now in the family of God. You've begin, been given the responsibilities and the privileges. And we'll see in a minute that we're called heirs, co-heirs with Christ. And that there's great privileges that come along with this, that we receive the Holy Spirit, that we receive peace, that we receive power to put to death, that we've been raised to life with Christ. There are great privileges that come along with being adopted into the family. But there's also great responsibilities. That you and I have been, been given great responsibilities, and that's where we have to be led by the Spirit. How do we, how, who are we supposed to call talk to about Christ? Where are we supposed to live? Where are we supposed to go? What are we supposed to give? That's being led by the Spirit, being obedient to Christ. We are adopted into the family of God. Before we leave that, that idea, I also want to draw out and bring to mind that when we are adopted into the family of God, that we become family, that we become family, that we're willing to make sacrifices for one another, that we love one another unconditionally, that we are willing to forgive those that have wronged us, that we're willing to step out of our comfort zone to help others, that we are a family, that we don't just leave one another in a time of need or in a time of joy either. I think about, again, our, this, this uh, season of Christmas where many of you and many of us have, have traveled and made great sacrifices to be with our family so that we could spend time with them. I want to encourage you, do you understand and do you see that the church is not just an organization? It's not just a community organization that is there to help the needy. But the church is a body. It is a family that you and I have been called to family. 
that we are family. Do you understand and see church as a family? Are we willing to be patient with one another? Are we willing to live at peace with one another? Because that's what a family is called to do. That's what we are called to do as believers. And then we move in to the last verse here. We suffer with Christ. We suffer with Christ. Verse 17. It says, And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him so that we, also, we may also be glorified with him. We are heirs and heirs of Christ, co- heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Here's another privilege, a benefit of being a part of, adopted into the family. One of the privileges is that uh, we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. That, uh, again, I, I was reading and studying through this and uh, this idea of being an heir of God. And what does that mean? What does that look like? And uh, one commentator was talking about how there, there are benefits, inheritance that we receive. Part of being an inheritance is ruling and reigning with Christ, the benefit of heaven, the benefit of personal peace that we have, uh, having joy. Those are all uh, benefits. And he was saying those are lesser benefits. And I was reading, I was a little confused because uh, to me, those seems seem to be pretty great things, right? But what he was pointing at is that uh, heirs of God. When it says that we are heirs of God, it can be viewed uh, a few different ways. But one of the ways is that, that God, we inherit God, that he is all sufficient. He is the one that we get. And that all these other things are great, but they are secondary to who God is. They're secondary to inheriting the Father. Being able to be adopted into the family. Now we have a Father. Before we are orphans, now we have a father that will lead and guide us. We have a father that will protect us, a father that who is there, a father who will not make mistakes, who loves us infinitely more than we can ever imagine. And so there's this great privilege that we are called heirs and co-heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ, with Christ. But continuing that verse is very hard. Very difficult, seeing that we suffer with him. So when we suffer, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily because we have been sinful. It is great to suffer for the cause of Christ. When we suffer for Christ, there should be great joy. Our perspective as Americans has to change because many times we often run away from suffering. We run away from hardship. And it's natural. This, it's what I do. We all do it. We try to run away from what is difficult and hard. But many of you have experienced some of the greatest things in life have been some of the most difficult things. I think about our military and some of the, the, the people that go through military training. They experience great difficulties in training and exercise. And then on the other side of that, they, they receive this war. They see the mark, the badge. They get to be called uh, whatever training they get to go through. I've seen on Discovery Channel and others, and I don't know how real it is, so if you're in the military, you're like, don't watch that stuff. It's not good for you. It's not true. Anyway, I've watched some shows on like SEAL training, and some of the SEAL training is amazing. They go through great pains and great difficulties. They put these men through uh, things that I would never imagine, never want to go through, and they're willingly doing that. This is voluntarily going through these actions, these, these training methods, And on the other side, there's great honor, 
There is great pride in being called, I am a Navy SEAL, I am a Marine, I am the Army, that there is great honor and pride in that because they get to wear that name, that badge. But think about us as Christ, uh, as Christians, that that is to our mark. When we go through suffering and we use that suffering to glorify God, there is great honor in that, to bring honor and glory to God. Why don't you think, as we go through this coming year, you may be experiencing suffering now or you may experience suffering in the future. How are you going to view that? And is that suffering because of Christ? Because there's a big difference. There's many times that we may suffer, but it may be suffering because we've induced that suffering. That we have sinned against God. We have sinned, and so we've caused the suffering to come into our life. But there are other times when we are willing to stand strong in what we believe in our, in our faith, in our, in our faith in Christ, and we will experience backlash. We will experience suffering for that. Then there is great joy in that. So we experience privileges and responsibilities. Uh, that re- rereading that last verse, seeing that we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Because just like I was talking about with the military, when they go through that training, after they go through that training, there is an end time. And for you and I, there is an end time to our suffering. As believers, there will be an end to our suffering. And at the end, there will be a glorification that we don't even fully comprehend or understand. That, again, our inheritance is God. Do we look to that? The the Holy Spirit is the key here. Are we willing to submit and obey? Because of Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we have unbelievable access to God. We now get to call him Abba, Father, because we have been adopted into the family. Not because you are good, not because of the things that you've done, not because of what you can offer to the family, but because of who he is. Because Jesus came as a baby. He he came, he lived, he died on the cross, he was resurrected from the grave so that we could have a right relationship with God. Rest in that this year. Be willing to walk in obedience in that this year. Put to death the evil desires of your heart because that is hard. It is difficult to do because our sinful nature will rise up and it will call us and it will draw us away. But God is that Abba, Father. He is the one that desires that intimate personal relationship. Think about those things this year. So we look back over this and we see that as being adopted into the family, we no longer live according to the flesh. We are led by the Spirit for a purpose. We are adopted into the family and we suffer for Christ. Uh, John Mark's going to come up in a, in a minute and start playing. Um, but as we enter into a time of prayer, I want you to respond to God. How is he calling you this morning? Is he calling you to faith in him? Is he calling you to now call him Abba Father because he's drawing you into a personal relationship with him? Or is he calling you to repent, to repent from the things that you've done wrong and to turn to him, to walk in obedience? And maybe that first step of obedience is today where you step out, you step out in faith and be obedient to him. But I call you to to respond to the message, respond to God this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have any questions or want to know more about having a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact us online at hpbc.church. Please join us again next week as together we seek to know Christ and make Him known.